Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Oh, God, I'm so fucking wiped out. I don't know what I'm doing. This could be a very long show. <laughs> no, the opposite. It'll be very short because I won't be speaking. <laughs> What's your goat chain? I've got to do this. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it, couldn't it? <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utter bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women, the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing kind charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. And we would like to say thank you very much to our brand new patrons this week. Anna and David. Thank you for striking our bollocks. <laughs> Too much? Not enough. Jen, you've done something quite interesting this week, haven't you, Jen? Have I? Glastonbury? Oh, yeah. Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I went to Glastonbury. Oh, yeah. I think Jen's recovering from Glastonbury. Would that be correct to say, Jen? I'm completely buggered. I can't talk. So you two chat and I'll nod in the background. <laughs> Nodding really works well on a podcast, I find. That's... <laughs> I've got nothing to give you today. You saw Paul McCartney live. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the least exciting part of the whole festival. <laughs> really? What was a weird moment that happened at Glastonbury? Oh, God. I mean, Glastonbury is just bats about weird moments, isn't it? There's an area called Arcadia where there's this huge spider that fires out flames from the top of it. And the DJ's in the middle of the spider and there's a laser show that happens. And the laser show is quite intense because it comes across the sky. And the way the lasers are, they say come down and down and down and down. So it looks like there's a ceiling on top of you and that the ceiling is coming down on top of you. Anyway, if you've had a hash brown while that's happening, it's probably not the best to... (laughs) I mean, I've heard. And then at the same time, there was a woman on a balloon floating through this laser show. She's on a balloon and she's doing this kind of somersaults and and there's two lines holding this balloon, but you can't really see the lines because it's dark and the lines are dark. So she just looks like this mystical suspended person floating through the air. I mean, there's two festivals at Glastonbury. There's one in the day and there's one at the night and the one at night is very, very intense. (laughs) I haven't been to Glastonbury for 27 years, so it's moved on a bit since I went. Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it, but also I was glad to leave. Just I was like, I can't do this anymore. It sounds like my idea of hell. I would. Oh, you'd hate it. I'd hate it. It's all walking, Maureen. And I'd want to sit down. Get out my way. I mean, there are areas that you can go and it's really chilled out by the green fields and the healing fields. But otherwise, it's very manic and hectic and... Um... Good luck trying to get anywhere near a stage. I mean, you're basically, if you're watching anyone, you're watching it on a screen. But, yeah, Paul McCartney, wow, what was that? No one knows. At one point he did a song for his wife and we all went, no, Paul, read the room. Why are you doing a song for your wife right now? We're all off our tits, Paul. It's not a tour show, it's Glastonbury. We're freezing cold, we just want the bangers. You've got the most incredible backlog of songs. I mean, like, a back catalogue of songs that is beyond my imagination. And you're singing some rando song about your wife. No. That song ended. There was absolute silence. You could have heard a pin drop. And everybody went, Paul, we won't get back. So, (laughs) anyway, he resisted it. And he gave us about three Beatles songs, I think. 
But other than that, he was like, no, I'm just going to play what I want. He resisted it. He was like, I'm holding out. Come on. Do you know, it's really funny because singers don't want to sing their old songs. They always want to sing their new songs. Do. Go on tour and sing all your new songs. Yeah. That's what you do. You go on tour and you sing all your new songs from your new album. But Glastonbury headlining is your bangers. Everybody else did their bangers. Jack White did his bangers. Like, name it. They did their, like, what do you want me to play? I'll play the songs that you want to hear because that's what we're all here for, to have this amazingly euphoric time. Paul McCartney's set could have been one to remember where we all just went, I cannot believe that that happened. But instead it was like, oh, I don't know that song. Oh, I don't know that song. I don't know that song. It's like, Paul, bless your heart. I know you want to keep telling us you're a singer-songwriter. We totally know that, but I don't give a shit if it's Wings. Hey Jude. Play, he did play Hey Jude at the end. I was waiting for that one, yeah. But he did a two and a quarter hour set and most of it wasn't Beatles stuff. <laughs> so in the end, I went, oh, I'm bored. I've got to go. So by the time Hey Jude came on, I was like, too late, mate. I'm done. Over two hours doing things, songs that are... And he's 80 years old. I mean, most comics, we moan if we've got to double up and do 40 minutes a, d- a night. So, I mean, doing a two-hour set... But he didn't have to. He wasn't asked to do two hours. He did it because he wanted to. He did two and a quarter hours. He was supposed to do an hour and a half. I mean, look, Paul, you do you. But I was bored. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm, I can't believe I saw one of the Beatles and halfway through I went, fuck this. <laughs> How was Billie Eilish, who was the youngest headline performers ever to be at Glastonbury, right? No idea. Didn't see her. But Billie okay. Eilish, I'm sure she was amazing, but it's all very breathy, angsty, young, teenage kind of... <sighs> I was like, no, I'm 47, and if I want to hear a breathy teenager <laughs> into a microphone, I'll... well, I never will, so... Uh, it's just not my bag. But um, I know that people that saw her said it was absolutely amazing. <clears throat> but do you want to know the absolute truth about Glastonbury? Yes. Okay, I'm going to let you into a little secret. It is so much better when you watch it on television. Okay, <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> I know it's controversial. It's supposed to be, oh, you're in a field with millions of other people. You can't see the stage. It's freezing cold, your hips hurt, your knees hurt, your feet hurt, your back hurts, you need a wee. Yeah, well, if you're at home, you can put your feet up, mm-hmm. you've got a toilet just in your house, have a glass of wine, you can fast forward all the boring bits of Paul McCartney oh, yeah. wanging on. Also, Paul McCartney, I'm so sorry, to, to look, I know there's going to be McCartney fans out here, but at one point, right, he starts talking endlessly about we were like it's a podcast Paul do you know what I mean it's not an interview what are you doing huge chats in between uh then the Ringo and I when we were uh, I don't even remember because I flatlined I was like mate just sing a Beatles song that's what we're here for not all the chit chat in between Mm. anyway two and a quarter hours and uh, I'll never get that back but uh, he sang Blackbird which was beautiful and he did sing it back we had about three or four songs. But if you think about two and a quarter hours, it was like half yeah, a dozen Beatles songs. Yeah, I did watch part of it on TV and I was waiting for the Beatles songs to come. Did out. I miss a Beatles song? It did Obli-Di Obli-Da as well. Oh, yeah. There were some choices of Beatles songs. I was like, if you're going to do one, why are you doing Obli-Di Obli-Da, life goes on. I think because the crowd can join in, can't they? That, I yeah. know, but I was like, no, that's not even a good one. The Long and Winding Road, that's one of my favourites. The Long. Yes, can you imagine how dramatic that would have been? Oh, that would have been just gorgeous. One Paul McCartney song that was really pleased he sang, though, Live and Let Die. Oh, yes, that's a fantastic song. Yeah, that was great. Anyway, I can't believe I'm moaning about Paul McCartney. Look, you were there the whole weekend. I'm so broken. I'm a broken, broken woman. And the gigs were A-OK. And there were lots of comedians in the backstage bit. There were lots. I look at the list. I was like, holy camoly, there's a ton of comedians. I know. It was like being in a permanent green room. I was like, oh, my God, this is a bit much for me. Chloe and I would have to find ways. I'd say, stick your head out. Can you see any comedians? She'd say no. I was like, great, let's go. Don't, <laughs> We were like commandos. I was like commando rolling out of the tent, hiding behind a bush. 
crawling across the ground. Yeah. We hate comedians. It's just your work peers. You don't want to always see your work peers when you're trying to like... Well, it depends who they are, don't they? Yeah, I hung out with Ian Stone and Kerry Godleyman and we had fun. Oh, that's quality. Yeah, we did have fun. Well, I went to Oxford and I treated myself to late lunch, early dinner at the Ivy. How lovely. For those of you who don't know, it was like a very unique, posh restaurant just off Leicester Square, which where actors used to go to. And now they have branches. They've got branches in London, a branch in Oxford. And you go in and the decor is gorgeous. It's like going onto a Poirot set. It was Even you, Alison, as a North American, would appreciate the service. The food is reasonably priced. It's not any more expensive than anywhere else. But you've got much nicer decor. They separated the food, which they had to kind of pass over. But the food was lovely and it was a really nice, nice meal. What do you mean they separated the food? Well, you know, the chips came in something and the peas came in something else rather than just bung it all on the plate. But then you could bung it on the plate, couldn't you? I I had to bung it on the plate, but I don't know why they just bung it on the plate. Um, Because some people don't like the mix and match. Like I know some people who hate it when their foods touch. We shouldn't order it together then, should they? It's fish and chips. You want it on the same plate. You're going to eat the fish and chips separately, are you? I suppose. But anyways. Maureen, look at that. Times have changed, haven't they? I know. At the Ivy. Maureen's eating at a brasserie. Uh, still eating fish and chips. Uh, still eating the same food she'd eat in a cafe. But... Yeah, it's the same food in a cafe, fish and chips. But at, but but at just... the brasserie. Yeah, great. And then, oh, and then I hosted for the first time the King Gong show at the comedy store last night. Wow. And I got a very good Be More Maureen moment out of it, Jen. Okay, well, let's not waste any more time, Maureen. Let's get right into it. Partly because I've got an ulcer on my tongue and it hurts to speak. Ooh. Maureen, <laughs> let us find out what your bit of money knowledge is. I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. <laughs> I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh, my God, Maureen, I don't... Under- I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. Well, I was hosting the King Gong Show, which for those of you who don't know, is like probably the most famous gong show in Britain. So I'm like slightly nervous. And I don't normally get nervous about things. because like, oh, I obviously want to do it well. What is a gong show? Let the people know what a gong show is. Oh, a gong show is basically people come on and they try and do stand up. And there's three red cards in the audience. And once the three red cards are up, you're gonged off the show. It's vicious. It can be very vicious. Some people last as long as 19 seconds. Reminds me of an ex-boyfriend, but we won't go there. So anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So there's lots of stuff you've got to remember. Have you done it, Alison? I've done one, not at the store, but I've done another one. It's a lot to... There's a lot to remember and everything. So we're going through what I've got to learn. And obviously, because it's the store, you know, and it's my first one, you want to obviously do well. He goes like, just kill it in the first 10 minutes. And then you've got to do this, this and this. So I go on stage and I've got a clipboard with the red cards. I've got this, I'm going to call it a gong beater. I'm not sure that's a technical term, but it's basically piece of wood slightly longer than a ruler and I've got a fluffy thing at the top that I hit the gong with and then I go on stage and I've got the mic out I'm, I'm doing 10 minutes I kill it for the first 10 I start then giving instructions but what I don't realise is I've actually put the mic under my arm and I'm speaking into the gong beater <laughs> that to me is worth the price of admission alone yes. oh my goodness this is everything I want from a gong show <laughs> it's the host of the gong show who is the experienced comedian <laughs> to not know how to use a microphone this is what I want so basically the audience right so I don't realise this the audience are laughing because they obviously think I'm doing a skit don't they they think I'm pretending not to you know but I obviously she's really good at acting because obviously I'm, I'm happily talking away into this piece of fluff on top of a bit of wood <laughs> did you not notice I did not notice because you know it feels like a mic so I, what about the sound? There was no sound. Was that not a clue? No, because I can hear myself, can't I? Okay. Okay, fine. <laughs> so Simon then goes, uh, Maureen, do you want to talk into the mic? And of course, I think I'm talking to the mic. So you know my reaction. I'm like, what are you about? I'm talking to the mic. And then I look down and <laughs> it's not the mic. <laughs> and Simon, after, like in the interval, I said, to be fair, Simon, when we had our little production meeting, you didn't say... I should talk into the mic. <laughs> he goes, Maureen, I thought it was a given. Obviously, it was my fault. <laughs> but what was funny was people kept coming up to me after the show going, oh, the funniest bit, the funniest bit was you pretending not to talk into the mic. Yeah, me pretending. Yeah. Just keep that going, Maureen. Don't let them know. I mean, I'm a professional comic. I mean, I should know. After once or twice, I still went to go and talk into the fluffy thing. And Maureen, we, we know you're a professional comic, don't we, Alison? Oh, completely. And yet... Here we are watching you 
unable to talk. So what do you think, ladies? That's quite a good be more in moment, isn't it? That's a brilliant one. I mean, that's next level, isn't it? (laughs) What is the funniest part of this is what I said before, which is that you're at a gong show, which is people that maybe have never done stand-up before, they're inexperienced, and the whole point of the gong show is that it's sort of led uh, and steered by an experienced comic who knows what they're doing, have been doing it for many years. And they had you, Maury, who... (laughs) Didn't use a microphone, <laughs> but a fluffy wooden stick instead to amplify her voice. And that, to me, is everything we need to know about Maureen Younger. Well, Maureen, that is actually one of my favourites. That's one of my... I would give it more if it wasn't for the fact that I have scurvy and I can't speak. But she has no is, energy. There is no... I, I, have, I have absolutely no energy. I, I'm, I'm actually doing, at the moment, full 100% energy, and it's this is what I'm giving you. But Maureen... Thank you so much for your Be More Morning moment. All of us feel better that we're you, that we're, we're us, not you. Oh, God. <laughs> Somebody else take All right, over. Jen. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Why don't we move on over and I'll give some advice. Why don't we, I'll, well, oh, I'll just take over the reins. Take, yeah, Jen, take a minute. <laughs> Number one, really prepare yourself. Be 19 if you're going to Glastonbury, I think is what we, <laughs> we've Probably. walked away from. Let's move into a problem. Go to the gym. Get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice, cause I ain't using it. No, no. No, no. Take my advice, I ain't using it. Now this one is a good one, and I really like this. Jen, I think you'll enjoy this. Maureen, okay. you might even get a kick out of this one. I really like it. Very short to the point. Now, sometimes people write in long problems and they're like, here are all the details. Other times people go, here's the gist. Please don't read out all the details. So this was the thing. Someone said, I think I have an anger problem. And I was like, oh, all right, anger problem. Is it a problem? Well, some people (laughs) might think an anger. Was that you, Jen? Did you write in? (laughs) (laughs) I think somebody wrote in on my behalf. It was Chloe. (laughs) (laughs) So, first off, the fact that somebody was like, I think I might have a bit of an anger issue. I was like, all right, at least you've identified, you're concerned with the fact that you might have an anger issue. The interesting thing about the idea of like an anger issue, when I was reading about this, anger is kind of the result, quite possibly, of some other things that might be occurring in your life. So for some people, anger is caused by an underlining disorder. Now, not at all times, not at all times, but sometimes anger is the result of something else that you might be struggling with. So sometimes it can be depression. Sometimes it can be OCD, an obsessive compulsive disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, oppositional defiant disorder. Now, this is a big one, ODD. And a lot of times also they say particularly in women, which I thought was very interesting because the person who wrote in, it is unidentified ADHD in women and particularly in ladies because we're really taught, uh, you know, over the years to like suppress and to be accommodating and to be pleasant. And so quite often if you have ADHD, you kind of rebel against that. So they say a lot of women, the anger issue is actually an unidentified underlining disorder, which I thought was really, really interesting. Now, how do we know, perhaps, if we have a little bit of an anger problem? Well, just because, you know, you're hot-headed doesn't mean that. But some warning signs? Look, there will be some significant physical and emotional changes in your body. So the things that can help, if you feel yourself getting into this sort of, like, a situation, some things that you can do, okay? So I had to deal with anger at a pretty young age because I just got really worked up as a child. You have to try and find your identifying moments, okay? So a lot of times heat, you can feel yourself literally getting hot. A big thing they say, and, you know, it sounds simple, but it's hard to do in the moment, just take a few breaths and try to count to 10. I know that sounds so cheesy, easiest thing to do, just count to 10. But before you react or before you say anything, if you feel yourself starting to get those physical things, if you take a breath and count to 10, often they say when you're counting numbers, you cannot do anything else. So it gives your brain a bit of a break. Um, 
I highly recommend walking away from any sort of angering situation. My grandmother used to amaze me in that. My family, we like to fight. We don't like to walk away from things. But my grandmother would always walk away from things. And then when she said something later on, it was so much more intelligent. The rest of us just losing our minds. So I'm a big fan with walking away from a situation when it's getting there. Exercise. They say exercise. If you are not moving enough... Anger often is like excess energy that you have not expelled throughout your day. So sometimes a little bit of exercise can help with the release of the anger. They also say when you're in a frustrating situation, you're angry, and you take that step away, (laughs) look, taking a shower, going for a walk. Obviously, you know I'm going to say writing in a journal, even if it's just I hate this a million times that you're writing over. That's fine. Listening to some music or avoid saying or doing something hurtful. It's kind of like, remember, what was the thing about alcoholism? And we said, most times you never regret not having that last drink. Well, you'll never regret sometimes not saying something in the heat of the moment, because you will still be able to say that thing later, but you will still probably be able to say it even more clearly than in the heat of the moment. A lot of people look at anger management classes, which I think is a great thing, mainly because you're talking to other people that are also dealing with this and you can hear from them because I think sometimes you feel alone when you're angry and you're pent up, right? You're like the only one going through this frustrating situation. So it is nice, I think, an anger management class just to know that you're not by yourself. There are three main types of anger when I was reading about it. Passive, which I'm pretty sure I am a passive, aggressive person. So there's passive, there's aggressive, and there's assertive anger. All fine, all lovely forms of anger, but those are the three main types. So think about when you're losing it. Is it passive? Are you being aggressive? Are you assertive in your anger? And maybe try one of the other types of approaches in those moments of fury. Symptoms. Look, these are some indicators that you might be crossing a line of just being angry and being upset and having a problem. When you start to punch objects, hit things. I know you're like, well, obviously, but look, sometimes in the heat of the moment, you may not even realize that you're getting that frustrated, throwing a towel. If you're physically having to exert some some anger, you're crossing a line there. Reacting quickly and violently to small problems. Accusing friends and relatives of disrespecting you or going behind your back. Now, this is a big thing, which can kind of cross into narcissism when you feel like it's all about you and everyone is against you and everything is against you. So that's a big thing that is a very good indicator that you might be crossing over into that moment of like, I'm losing control of the situation. Breaking objects during an argument. If you're breaking things, (laughs) unless it's a planned, organized event. Look, I had a friend who used to do plate smashing and that was really good for her anger, but she would buy a bunch of plates, go to a safe place and smash some plates. And I was like, well, at least you're organized, like at least. And it was a controlled environment. But if you're finding yourself wanting to break things again, I think you're crossing that line. Consistently having the same arguments with friends and relatives colleagues with the similar triggers each time. So when a topic comes up and you start to rage into that, or if you can't let something go, this is where we're maybe getting into the area of like, I can't let this thing go. This is consuming me. It is that feeling of all consumption that I think then we know, okay, we're, we're crossing into it. Uh, physical symptoms of anger. Look, we talked about it before, depression and anxiety. Those often anger comes out when you aren't identifying sad feelings, when you aren't uh, going through it. Look, we talked about grieving. A lot of times grieving can lead to a lot of anger because people don't go through the processing. And anger is the easiest emotion to release. So I think that's why it's kind of a go-to thing. Paranoia, frustration, lack of sleep. Often a lot of lack of sleep is unresolved anger within us. Social isolation, so choosing to not be around people, choosing to take way more time than normally you would. That isolating thing, sometimes that's a big indication. Actual physical things, headaches, increased blood pressure, heart palpitations, tightened or anxious feelings in the chest area, blushing, sweating, fatigue. If these things are constantly happening to you when you're getting frustrated, I think you are crossing into that line. 
not that I'm saying all anger comes from these things, but I think if you are wrestling with the idea of you might have an anger problem, speaking with your doctor and possibly going to see someone who is a bit of a specialist in regards to anger management, because often it is not you. It's not your fault. There are other things that are causing the anger to come out. So I really want you to forgive yourself for that, but know that you do have to take steps to get control over it. There are a lot of different types of things that you can do, relaxation techniques. There's loads. There's so many apps on phones. Calm is a really good one that I like. There are anger management exercises that you can find. I Googled a bunch. There's a load out there online. Support groups, again, getting together with people that are going through the same sort of thing. And I just want to reiterate again that anger isn't a dangerous emotion, but when you are constantly hiding your anger or if it's always bubbling up, I think those are the indications as to when it might be a bit of a problem. And like I always say, when it comes to things like this, we have to remember those things in the world, those people in the world that are frustrating us, we can't change it. All we can change is how we are going to react to those things. And I think that advice is applicable to almost every problem out there. But when it comes to anger, again, it is learning how are you going to cope with these moments when the frustration overtakes you. So more than anything, I just wanted to let you know that you're not alone And that, again, the anger could be a residual effect of something else. So I implore you to explore a little bit further into what you think might be causing it. But again, always go see a professional because I'm not a trained therapist and I am not a professional. And I'm just trying to give you suggestions. (laughs) That is my advice for anger management issues. Alison, great advice. I do think anger is a symptom, isn't it, of something else. It's not just something that's just, oh, you're just an angry person and there's nothing you can do about it. It's usually usually unresolved something or other, isn't it? But uh, therapy, I recommend very much. Very much. If you have anger issues because you can often figure out where that stems from. But, yeah, could be any other number of things, particularly as women – We've got loads of things that are undiagnosed because uh, apparently our health isn't uh, isn't that important. Uh-uh, uh-uh. So yeah, that's great advice. And ADHD and certainly things like you know neurodiversity, like autism, neurodivergent symptoms have been ignored with women for ever. It's only Forever. now that so many adults, we know lots of um, comedians in their forties have just been diagnosed with autism and ADHD, mm. and they're all women. And it's changed their lives, not because there's anything you can necessarily do about it, but because they're like, oh, now I don't feel completely batshit. That's the reason why. But equally, it could be any number of things. Talk to somebody. That's my recommendation as well. I just put on an American accent because I feel like that gives it a little (laughs) bit more empathy there than this sort of, yeah, go talk to someone. Anyway, don't bother me with it. I liked that somebody was honest about it. I liked that somebody was like, I think I have an anger issue. I was like, well, well done. Please keep writing in. I will never say your name. If you don't want me to, I won't say details. But the more you share your problems, the more it just helps other people even listening. Yes, do write in. You can write in to Ask Allison. You can put in the subject and write to womentalkingbollocks at gmail.com and Allison will include your problem in the show. Okay. That's that bit done. We've done that. We did that bit. That's done. All right. So now we're going to go and do the next bit. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. You look surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to put it. It's called being professional, Alison. (laughs) (laughs) The next bit is TV. What have we been watching on the television, Maury? I've been watching Sherwood. Have people been watching that? Take that size and no. It's actually worth a watch, I think. I think it'd be a good one for you and Chloe. It's setting a town in Nottingham and there's a couple of murders. There are twists to the plot. So I've actually screamed out loud a couple of times at things that I obviously didn't see coming. And there's lots of really famous actors in it. I mean, you kind of go, oh, there's another one. There's another one. Got David Morrissey in it. Stephen Topkinson turned up. You've got Leslie Manville, Lorraine Ashbourne. And uh, I think Lindsay, oh, what's her name? She's a very good actress, Lindsay. Duncan. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my gosh, there's another one. So basically this miner gets killed and it seems to go back to the 80s, obviously, when there was the miners' strike. And what I didn't realise was the Nottingham miners didn't really go on strike. They kind of had a breakaway unit. But this miner who got killed stuck with the National Union miners and he's still calling people scabs 40 years later because that's how riven it is in there. And so he gets murdered and somebody else gets murdered in a very unexpected way. And so they're looking into it and then they find out that there was a spy cop was embedded into the community in the 1980s. And they think that's one of the reasons why this guy got murdered, because he was on the track of finding out who this spy cop is. You're like, oh, my goodness, what the spy cop? It's not who you think it's going to be. I think it's worth watching, actually. I think it's quite interesting. Okay, that does sound quite a classic BBC drama, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Give it a whirl. So you can get that on BBC iPlayer, presumably. BBC iPlayer. And honestly, there's lots of twists and turns. And there's a guy and he's basically he's killing people with a bow and arrow. So it's, and it's in Sherwood. Oh, let's keep that theme going. <laughs> and David Morrissey is the cop who's looking into it all. Yeah, we like a bit of David Morrissey. Bow and arrow murder. Wow. Painful way to go. It's been a while since I've heard of one of those. Old school. So what about you, Jen? What have you been watching? I haven't really been watching anything. I've dipped very briefly into a show on Amazon Prime called The Wilds. Oh, yeah. Do you know this show? No. It's kind of got a Yellow Jackets vibe to it, but it was made before Yellow Jackets. I think the second series has just come out. And it's about, again, a load of young women. The first series is and the second series is young men. They're going to like a retreat somewhere in Hawaii. And the retreat is supposed to be to help them be with like-minded people and meet new people. It's like a summer camp. Mm. They're on a flight. The plane goes down. And these young women, they all survive, or at least initially, and they find themselves on this desert island. And it's about how they survive. So, so far, so like yellow jackets. But there's something else going on in the background. And you get the impression that this plane crash wasn't an accident, that this plane crash was deliberate and that these young women are in some sort of experiment or in some sort of, I don't want to say reality TV, I don't think it's reality TV, but they're in something like a social experiment that they're not aware of. And that's as far as I've gotten. And then you see the backstory of these young women, how they got there, who they are before they arrived, what their relationships are with each other, uh, all of that. So I quite enjoyed it, actually. And even though it's very similar to Yellow Jackets, it's different enough. Again, Yellow Jackets was are made after this, but it's obviously there's something very different happening in the background because Yellow Jackets is a genuine story of survival. <clears throat> Whereas this feels like, oh, somebody's watching these women 
to see how they'll survive, these young women. It's on Amazon Prime. There's two series. The first series is about this group of young women and the second series appears to be about a group of young men. I haven't really watched that much of it, so I can't tell you any more than that, but it did engage me for that very first episode and I might continue to watch it. Alison, do you think that's up your alley? I think it's up your alley. That actually sounds really... And it's The Wilds? The Wilds, yeah. And Rachel Griffiths is this sort of sinister person in the background who's watching... Well, I don't know if she's sinister, but I think... She's not quite she's sinister. Watching. Really. She's one of the eyes on the yeah, situation. Yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. And you're like, what wasn't supposed to happen? It's got a good cast. There's some great young actresses that I don't know, and they're on these shows, and they're all great. They're all like fully formed actors. It's absolutely obnoxious to have talent that young. <laughs> Alison, what about the horror film? What have you got? Okay, so to go along with the idea of anger. I think I might have said the other one of this movie before, but this is the the original one. I'm going with 28 Days Later. Oh, yes. So good. We did 28 weeks later, didn't you? That's right. Yeah, so I did weeks before, but the reason why I went 28 Days Later, so this is the original one, is because it is. After a plague of the rage... That's what they call the plague because it makes people angry and furious and they lose control and then they, you know, attack and eat and kill people. So after the plague of the rage decimates the world's population, a desperate quartet of healthy Londoners from an ad hoc family while braving encounters with the infected and seeking sanctuary in the north, don't we all, (laughs) only to encounter a devious group of soldiers. So this was great to me because I love the idea of the plague being a rage, a rage that just takes over people. So that is why I chose it. I also just love this movie. I think it is so well done. Directed by Danny Boyle. And I think it's a very interesting, the idea of rage. And I mean, if you look at it, the bigger scope of thing, rage and it's taking over and if we looked at it like what if it wasn't a virus what if just anger was I don't know I just thought it was a very deep look at anger and the way we are and how we deal with things so 28 days later you can get it on Amazon Prime it's a gooder you won't regret it yes there's some blood definitely fast moving zombies Maureen you might have a heart attack I don't know you would jump a lot with this one I don't think this is your jam no it's not my cup of tea because it's fast zombies fast zombies are terrifying as well yeah Brendan Gleeson's in it. He's great. Killian Murphy, Naomi Harris and Christopher Eccleston. So Good cast. It's actually one of my favourites. I love this film. My only issue with the film is that there's been some sort of apocalypse that's happened where rage has occurred. And when Killian Murphy, he wakes up, doesn't he, because he's been in an accident. And so he's been in a coma and he comes... He wakes up in a hospital, yeah. And there's no one around. Like, there's no bodies... No humans, nothing. It's just London is completely, there's no one around. And I can't help thinking there'd be someone around, like a dead body or... Or something, yeah. There's not a single sign that any sort of, like, huge devastation has occurred where people have had their faces ripped off by other people. Especially in a hospital. You're like, come on, I'd see some more indications. Come on! Yeah, what, there's no bodies, nothing? Just you, Killian? Other than that, absolute dynamite film. Do watch it and get it on Amazon Prime. You might have to rent it, I think. I think it is a renter. I do apologise, everyone. That's fine. I mean, I don't think paying for art is a bad thing, is it? No. It's like a quid 50 or two quid and it's well worth it. And it's not gory. I mean, there's a bit of blood. There's a bit of, you know, but it's more the like the excitement of it all. It's like there's just a fucking run. It's just like that bit where they get trapped in the tunnel in the car. Like, get in the car. What are you doing? Great recommend. Well done, Alison. I've uh, enjoyed, I've enjoyed all your horror recommends recently, actually. I've, I'm So far, you've been on board. I'm like... I'm starting to think I might like horror films. I think you do, Jen. You you like a little... Well, you like zombie things, don't you? That's horror. I don't really think of zombie as horror. It's just too absurd. I think of it as being cathartic. I think of being therapy, Maureen. Do you know what I mean? Look, you love Australian literature and Alison and I like to watch things that, are, that involve the apocalypse or true crime. <laughs> That's how we get our catharsis. Exactly. <laughs> Alison, thank you very much for your horror recommendation. But we've got to go back to Maureen because she's got a corner and it's it's got some sort of bacteria in it, I think. Ah, it's got some culture. Some culturing. Get some yoghurt. <laughs> 
course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. <laughs> well, guys, Book Club is going to be on Wednesday, where we're going to be talking, and I've almost finished it, actually. Richard Osman, The Thursday Murder Club. Have you? And? It's good. I mean, it is good. You can tell he can write, he's funny. What's the genre? It's crime. Cozy crime? I suppose it's like a bit like similar to Ian Moore in that it's like a funny crime story, which is a genre that they never used to have in Britain. Yeah. But uh, they are now obviously doing it. And yeah, it's definitely it's an easy read. I mean, at first I was slightly confused because it's from two different points of view, but then I got around that. But it's really well done and it keeps you going and it's a very good mystery as well because that's what you want. Good mystery as well as the laughs. And there's some very good lines in there. So I would definitely recommend it. It's a very easy read. So if you want to join us at Book Club, it's on Wednesday. Information on our Facebook page. Also, for next month, I don't know if any of you have read her. I apologise for my Turkish pronunciation. Elif Shafak. Have you read her? Yes, I have read some Elif Shafak. I'm sure I have. This is one of the Turkish leading novelists. I've read The Bastard of Istanbul, which I didn't want to read. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. It was at another book club. And I read it and I really, really enjoyed it. So the, next, the book I'm going to recommend for book club this month is Honour by Elif Shafak. And it's set in Turkey in London in the 1970s, explores pain and loss, loyalty and betrayal, the clash of tradition and modernity, as well as the love and heartbreak that can tear any family apart. Great. She's a really, really good writer. So that's what we're going to be doing for next month. Which one did you read of hers? I don't know, but I feel like I have definitely read one of her books because I recognise her name. Or maybe somebody recommended it. I think it was The Island of Missing Trees. Oh, Okay. Um, but yes, that's a very good recommendation, Maureen. And if people want to join the book club, where would they? There's a WTB book club page on Facebook. WTB book club page, and they can find out everything they need to know about book club. And if they want to come and join the Zoom and have a chat about the books with you. The details will be there. You'll have access to Maureen Younger. It's a direct line to Maureen. You'll be able to communicate with her. This is like being with a celebrity, right? And if she does something yeah. ridiculous, please write us and tell us about her Be More Maureen moment that you might get to see live, everyone. <laughs> Maureen will conduct most of the Zoom call muted. And no one will know. <laughs> Maureen won't know that she's been muted. Well, there was that time when I did it by the bins, wasn't there? So At least we could hear you, Maureen. That was that. Was that. <laughs> so, Joe, we've come to that point in the show when it's what's got your goat? Apart from Glastonbury and Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney not doing bangers. I can't make that my goat. <laughs> it feels unreasonable to dictate to an artist what they do and don't do during their set. Like an artist such as Paul McCartney, one of the greatest singer-songwriters of all time, who was performing at the age of 80 for over two hours. Yes, but if you are going to perform for two hours, perform music, we fucking know you prick. Okay? <laughs> Just... Nobody wants two hours of fucking new music, Paul. Absolutely nobody. you got the most incredible back catalogue. One hour of music, one hour of chat is what it sounds like happened with Paul. Fuck me. It was like a cross between a podcast and a load of tracks we'd never heard. Read the room, Paul. I'm fucking cold. I'm on the top of a bloody hill or whatever. My feet hurt, my hips hurt. and All I'm hearing is some fucking music I've never heard of. Read the room, Paul. Do you know what I mean? lose my shit over okay this is it right let's go it's happening now <laughs> I cannot handle this <laughs> so anyway what's got your goat Jen <laughs> well that's not it Roe v Wade okay cannot oh. even look I'm sorry but I've been in a rage I mean mm. we talked about anger management earlier um, no, but this is hard to not rage about. I don't know. Look, I'm going to open this up to all of us, actually, because I feel like mm -hmm. this is something that I cannot fathom that there are, what was it, five, five, five it? to five, three, wasn't it? No, it was five, four, five to four. I couldn't believe that that was it. It was just the difference of one person made it so that now thousands and thousands and probably millions of women do not have reproductive rights. And this, you know what annoys me about America? This is what annoys me. They bang on and on about freedom. Your individual rights, your freedom to do this, your freedom to have a gun, your freedom to shoot children in the classroom, your freedom to have no fucking money due to neoliberal capitalism, your freedom to have six jobs and still not be able to fucking feed your family. But the f women do not have the right over their own fucking bodies makes me absolutely... Raging. 
Raging! Do you know what they're going there? There's one senator who's saying that they should look into the segregation laws because that's not part of the constitution either. Oh! I mean, you're like, mate, are you kidding mate. me? Listen, I tell you what America needs. It needs it needs a fucking revolution. It needs some civil unrest. People have to get out on the street. I mean, listen, I say this as a British person and, you know, most of the time when we get upset, we just stare at somebody in the back of the head with a very passive-aggressive look on our face and then have a cup of tea and we feel better. <laughs> but now is the time for people, not just women, but men. You've got to get mm-hmm. out there. You've got to fucking make the government and the governors of these states realise that they cannot, they cannot allow this legislation to continue. And it just, it's just, I just can't even get my head around the fact that women are not allowed to have any, any autonomy over their own bodies, that the mm-hmm. state gets to tell them what they can and can't do, that you have to have a child that you don't want. But it's a, we live in a neoliberal society where if you have a child, they really want you to have a child. But once a child is born, they don't give a fuck what happens to that kid. They're not going to offer support. They're not going to support that child with welfare. They're just going to let that kid just... Exactly. It's crazy when you think that, you know, a country exists where guns and object have more rights than a woman, than a living being. Guns right now have more rights than a woman. But also makes you realise how tenuous rights can be. So you, you would never have thought, if you'd asked 10 years ago, you'd never thought that would be... You'd never think that Roe v. Wade would be overturned. No way, 10 years ago. No, or it's like gay rights. So they're now looking at same-sex marriage as well in America because that, that's not part of the Constitution. But it's supposed to be... Aren't they supposed to separate? It's a secular country, so, so state and church are supposed to be separate. And these evangelical right-wing Christians are now forcing their ideology onto the rest of us. What if you're not even a fucking Christian? Which, let me be honest, if you are, you'd soon be like, do you know what? I've tapped out of that. You can't force your ideology onto me because you believe something. I don't fucking believe that. I don't believe it. But it just makes you realise how tenuous rights can be. You know, they're... Uh Absolutely. And also how things that are considered, like, standard or, like, normalised and, you know, that nothing's ever going to change... And then suddenly they can be changed. And that's what's scary. And we have a very authoritarian government. We have a government that now want to review the the human rights bill, OK? And we want us to remove us from that and create our own bill of rights. We've never... Well, where there's no rights. There are no rights. We don't have a bill of rights. We don't have, like, the American side where they have a written constitution. We do not have that. We get taken out of that. There is nothing to replace it. Do you know what I mean? It's like we have a prime minister with a similar attitude towards civil liberties, particularly towards women's agency, mm-hmm. and also towards gay, bisexual, trans people. There's no respect there. You don't get the idea that Boris Johnson gives a flying fuck about our civil liberties. We well, doesn't give a flying fuck about anybody, to be fair. I mean, no, no. no, that is very true. And he doesn't care about the laws because laws don't apply to him, so it doesn't really matter what the laws say because... As far as he's concerned, he doesn't have to adhere to them. As they didn't for Trump, and this is Trump's legacy. The overturning of Roe v. Wade is Trump's legacy. Trump did this. Well, he was the one that made sure that the Republicans had uh, a majority within this. Who all said that they wouldn't overturn Roe and Wade. In fact, even the Pentagon has gone against this decision. So they're saying. The Pentagon has said. said That they're basically not going to adhere to it, that their soldiers will have. Reproductive rights. That's the Pentagon, which is hardly a left-wing bastion, is it? And they also <laughs> said if, if if there's any situation where, like, somebody really needs to, that the Pentagon will assist people, they will yeah. offer. I mean, we'll see how far that goes because there's going to be so many people. But it's not going to affect individuals. It's not going to affect individual women living in buttfuck nowhere in Tennessee who, it doesn't, do you know what I find even more shocking is that you can't even have an abortion if you're raped. No. There are certain instances where even if a woman's life is at risk, you still have to go ahead with the pregnancy. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Even well, if the baby... woman in Ireland died, didn't she? There was a woman in Ireland who um, had a really dangerous pregnancy and they, they didn't have an abortion. And they she wouldn't died have, from it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, just, I just can't even. And this, you know, this is, this is the Supreme Court decision. Which is not, like, I don't, I don't really understand how that decision... It's not even like a, a, a democratic way of de- making a decision, you know. No. These, these judges aren't... Well, no one voted for these judges. It's, they're, they're, they're nominated by the president, aren't they? So... Yeah. Uh, and then they're, they're know, voted in by... Is it the Senate? I don't know. I think it is the Senate. With, but this, the other thing is, it, it should never have gone through, but there was that one democratic senator 
that crossed over to Republicans who voted against. Oh yeah, against. he's an idiot. Mention. Oh mention. fuck yeah, he's a fucking idiot. If I was in the if I was in the Democratic Party, I'd be like, mate, you got to go. You got to fucking go. Um, and if he hadn't crossed over to the Republican side of the House and voted against. Um, and well, voted for the overturning of Roe v Wade, it wouldn't have happened. Now they're saying that they might start looking at the laws about interracial marriage, about gay marriage. About... Well, this is Whoopi Goldberg. So Whoopi went in and went in hard. And I forget his name. I was just Googling it at the one judge who is a black judge. Clarence Thomas, isn't it? Who is married to a white woman. Yeah. And Whoopi's like, you just watch now. It's a matter of time before that won't be allowed anymore and your rights as a black man will be taken away. Yeah. This is the beginning. <laughs> Some little Jackson said the same thing. Yeah. This doesn't begin and end with Roe v. Wade. This is the yeah. start of something altogether very sinister. And also here in this country, we have to support women and men in America. I mean, you know, look, we have to sort of find a way to be supportive of, you know, it might be that you give money, it might be that you sort of get on social media, it might be that you support in other ways, it, you know, whatever you need to do to help people out in the States, because this is unacceptable. And also, if they can do it in America, they can do it here in this country, because everything that happens in the States, we as a country go, oh, that seems like a great idea. Happens to us 10 years later. And sometimes not even 10 years later, is it, Maureen? So yeah. don't think, oh, that's happening in America. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got something to do with all of us. All of us. 100%. So, look, I'd love to be able to tell you this is what you can do, but maybe we ought to have thought about that before I started this rant. But listen... <laughs> Well, research what you can do to support different organisations, grassroots organisations in, in America that are fighting this horrific decision. Right, that's that. We've put the world to rights. We absolutely haven't, but... Um... <laughs> Women talking bollocks. If you have enjoyed WTV, please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a little review. Oh, you can check out our socials now on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and you never know, we may even get on TikTok. And if you do like the show, please do have a look at our Patreon for bonus content and weekly treats. Well, that do. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.